Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Every child comes out from under the protection of their parents. Physically, yes, but spiritually. And there comes a point at which they do stand before the Father, and Mom and Dad, you've got nothing to say. My question is this. The rhythms that you've adopted, the way in which you're choosing to live, the commitments that you're either making or rejecting, are they preparing your children? Are they doing something to help them to be ready? I realize that every person has to make their own choice and decision. That's understood. But are you aiding them to make the right one? Is the way you're living helping that? Or is it teaching them that there are many other things in life that are more important? As Jesus crossed over the threshold of independence from his parents to the father, we find that he was ready and eager to discover what the Father had in store for him. And that brings us to verse 43. Verse 43 tells us that when Passover was concluded, the caravan that Joseph and Mary had traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem with had packed it up and they were beginning their journey back to Nazareth. I just want to make a statement here about the fact that Jesus seems to get lost in the shuffle. I'm not going to dwell on this very long because it's really not that impactful, but I just want to make the statement that the fact that Mary and Joseph did not discover that Jesus was missing for a whole day is not a statement of them being neglectful parents. It really isn't. I mean, that in that culture, it was extremely common as groups traveled together for the kids, especially of a certain age, to separate from mom and dad and be playing in the bushes and along the trail and riding the donkey and all, whatever else is going on. And the parents would then just walk mile after mile talking about adult stuff and kids would do their thing, the kids' stuff, and have fun. And so the fact that they, you know, they, he'd never done anything that would make them suspicious that uh, they just assumed, you know, they probably saw him. It's kind of like, what's that, what's that Christmas uh, Home Alone? You know, they, they thought he was in the van. Is it going through the tickets? It wasn't until they were on the plane that it's like, ah, where's whatever his name is? Kevin, that's it. Yeah, where's Kevin? Where's Jesus? Well, I thought he was you. I thought he was with you. No, I saw him. No, okay. But also take note of this, that the fact that Jesus found himself immersed in the temple and what was going on there, that is not a statement of disobedience on his part. I mean, it's just as simple as this. Mary and Joseph assumed that he was in the company. And Jesus, like any other 12-year-old boy, was consumed with what he was consumed with. How many of you know that 12-year-old boys just get wrapped up in stuff and they lose sight of anything else that's going on in the world? I'm assuming 12-year-old girls probably do too. But Jesus is a boy, so we're dealing at it from from that perspective. You know, 12-year-old boys may be all wrapped up in frogs and forts and some early bloomers are even wrapped up in girls but that's not what jesus was was wrapped up in what we find is that he was driven by a growing awareness of the teachings of the scripture about god's plan of redemption and he was 
driven by a growing understanding that there was something unique with him. Something was different with him. And so he finds himself at the feet of the rabbis learning. And let me just touch on that a second by saying that you know, so often when we open the Bible and we read the Gospels, we always see Jesus in the position of authority. We always see him in the position of teaching and everybody else is sitting around with their mouths gaping open going, whoa, I've never heard anything like that before. But in this case, in this one case, Jesus is not in the position of authority and he is not in the position of teacher. He's in the position of submission and he is submitting to them and he is soaking up what God had given them over the years and he is learning from them. And they are amazed at him. And there are several things that are put in the text there that I think speak to the difference of Jesus from any other 12-year-old kid. They're amazed, first of all, that he was sitting, right? He's sitting. He's not fidgeting. He's not playing with crickets and doing this and that and the other and drawing on a piece of paper and just trying to get through this boring endeavor until he can go home. And in other words, he is demonstrating a maturity in his behavior, He was listening. There's a difference between hearing and listening. I've been pounded on that for years. I've been told, Mike, you hear, but you don't always listen. I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm 58. I'm working on it. But at 12, he had it. There was an unnatural focus about him. He's really soaking in what they've got to say. And he's asking questions. Not silly questions like, oh, Mr. Rabbi, how many angels can God the Father put on the head of a pen? And can he make a rock that is bigger than he can pick up? Or any of those kind of silly things. No, no. He's asking good questions. He's asking redemptive questions. He's wanting them to explain. And so he is far exceeding what is expected of any 12-year-old. The questions he is asking are the questions of a seasoned learner. He's grasping their answers, and you got to know that there's a lot of complexity to what they're putting out, because these aren't just common guys. These are learned doctors of the law and of theology from the Old Testament perspective, and they are offering things that are going to be, they're not used to sitting around breaking it down for a 12-year-old's perspective. And yet, he's understanding, and then he's coming back with follow-up questions that is amazing them. And then he's giving responses that are beyond what any of the teachers had ever seen. And of course, we sit here, we hear that. And we say, oh, Pastor Mike, well, of course, what would you expect? I mean, he's God. So, of course, that's all true. Ah, But let me caution us again and again to not forget that Jesus is fully human. He had to learn. He wasn't born with it all in his head. Oh, but there is one thing that is excessively unique that I want to bring out about Jesus that explains a lot about why he was able to be so different than the norm, right? And that is this. He did not have the indwelling sin nature within him. He's fully human, But he didn't have 
the indwelling sin nature within him. And when I speak of the sin nature, I'm speaking of that perversity of spiritual deadness that dwells so deep in all of us, requiring the working of God's spirit to enable us to be able to see and to understand and to receive the good things of God's word. Jesus didn't find himself like I do, having to fight against spiritual deadness. No, Jesus was fully alive spiritually. And so is God's word came and it rang in his ears. It rang with life and light and power because Jesus did not have to overcome the barriers of sin like others do. His growth mentally, physically, and spiritually was not impeded as verse 52 attests. But we come now to verses 48 and 49 and we find the account of the missing child. And if you've ever lost a child, how many of you, would you participate with me? Just those of you who have kids or grandkids, have you ever lost your kid? Even for a minute? Or your grandkid for a minute? Yeah, I have. And, and boy, doesn't that just raise a panic? Doesn't that just bring an anxiety? So we can understand Joseph and Mary. Where is he? We, we, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. He's not there. He's not under the tent. He's not under the camel. He's not up on the rock. He's what? Where is he? I don't know. Three days, three days, not a minute, not an hour, not an afternoon, three days. They have no idea where he's at. Of course, they figure out after they've gone through uh, the, the caravan, well, he's not here. So they start heading back and it takes a day to get back because they were a day's journey out. So they're looking along the way. Can't find his body in the ditch. They don't find him hanging from a tree. Where, where's he at? We don't know. They get back to Jerusalem. They spend a day searching all over the place and they finally come to the temple. Well, we've looked everywhere else. And they go to the temple and they find Jesus there. And the Bible says they were astonished. Why do you think they were astonished? Why do you think Mary and Joseph were astonished? My take on it is because that is the absolute last place you're going to find a 12 year old boy. You lose your kid, the last place you're going to, oh, yeah, he's at church just sitting there listening to Pastor Mike's sermons. If you, if you found that, you'd be like, what in the, that is so not what's going to happen. He's going to be stealing the Play-Doh from the youth room. He's going to be doing something, but he's not going to be sitting around listening to me or to Adam or to Tracy or to anybody else because that's not what 12-year-olds do. And so they're astonished when they see him. And Mary said, son, why have you treated us so? Sounds like a rebuke, doesn't it? Sounds like a scolding a little bit. And maybe it was. But remember, Mary is not divine. Mary is not sinless. Mary is just like any other mother whose child goes missing and they're all filled with anxiety when they finally found him. They hug them hug until they're almost, their ears and eyeballs almost pop out. And then, what were you doing? What are you thinking? Where have you been? You know? <laughs> Hey, we can understand her response. She's beside herself with worry. But here is where we come to a statement that if you don't get anything else out of this message today, if all the rest of it is just historical fluff and it's whatever and you're like, eh, you haven't got anything yet, get something out of this. Because we come to a statement that, that sets this family and sets Jesus on a new trajectory that is unbelievable. Notice what she goes on to say. Son, why have you treated us so? 
Behold, your father and I have been searching you for you in great distress. Behold, your father and I, your father and I. Who do you think she meant when she said your father? Now we all know that Joseph was not his biological father. We've, we've got enough teaching and learning about that. He was, but was it wrong for her to say your father in that context? No, because we know that Joseph was his adoptive father. Joseph took on the full responsibility and became the only earthly father that he would know. But Mary is stating, stating, you know, his identity, your father and I. And I can only imagine that Jesus knew the stories, that he knew that Joseph was not his biological father. He knew that Joseph was just that fill-in, that stand-in, that adoptive father. And I'm not criticizing or putting that down in any way because that's an important role. Many 12-year-olds, when they hear something like that, and they know the parent isn't their biological parent, would be tempted to say what? That's right. He's not my father. Father? What are you talking? He's not my father. What I want you to notice, though, is that without any rebellious intention, without any attitude of superiority, Jesus responds with a question, a question that demonstrates that he has come to know who he is. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.